Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our A Conversation With series, where we invite pros from all walks of our industry to have a chat with us about their background and experiences, and then we finish it off with a little Q&A from the audience. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Again, yet, yet again, we have a, um, a special conversation series for you today. We um, have a uh, special guest, someone who has uh, somehow magically found the time in their undoubtedly busy schedule to come and hang out with us today. So um, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but before I do that, I will, of course, introduce my partner in crime, the one and only David uh, David uh, Hubert. He's going to come in, and uh, we're going to bring in the next guest. Hello, David. Hey, Brent. How are you? Fancy seeing you here. Uh, yeah. How are you this morning? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm pretty excited about today's guest. Um, obviously, uh, we've already advertised this, so people probably know who it is. Um, so um, <laughs> I'm just going to bring him in, and then we're just going to have our you know typical kind of conversation like we always do. How, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, let's do this. Okay. All right. Rock and roll. Andrew Gordon, how are you, sir? Hey guys. Hey Brent. Hey David. How are you? How are you? Very good. How's uh I'm I'm very I'm always impressed by the backgrounds with these fancy cameras and the blur and the whole thing. You guys do you guys get yeah, makeup well, recording and everything? Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. We um we when we get like fed off camera by our army of assistants as well. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's awesome to have you here for sure. A lot of people are very excited about this because we uh, let, let people know. So we have some questions. We'll be taking questions towards the end of today's chat, probably the last like 20 to 15 minutes. So I'll, I'll try to ring a bell or something to let everybody know that we kind of want to shift our focus over to that. But in the meantime, we can just sort of uh, chat about whatever we want to chat about. I think uh, obviously there's a bazillion things that we could chat about. I mean, considering you're in the room, there's like I have an infinite number of things that I, I would like to talk, talk about. But um, I'd, I'd like to hear what David wants to uh wants to roll with first yeah well maybe just for the few viewers that, that might not know about you maybe just a quick introduction about your uh, your background okay yeah i mean i um i've been in animation since i mean i kind of like you know was a, a nerd uh, about animation and I, I got into it probably in eighth grade of high school you know my parents had come home with a a Radio Shack computer called a Tandy, and uh, I know I'm dating myself, but you know, it came with a package called Deluxe Paint Three. I don't know if any Amiga fans are out there, but like, I was like blown away by this piece of animation. It, no, it was like a, a paint program, and so I got into computer graphics that way. Like, I was interested in games like Sierra Online games where you pilot a little character around, and so it got me interested in doing computer animation, and then. I, I found that there was nowhere to go for animation back in those days. You know, you, you couldn't really learn it. There was maybe, there was a place in Brooklyn, New York called Pratt. They were kind of doing something and there was, you know, little places were just starting to kind of do it. And so back then, all I thought was like, I have to get time on a computer. Like, that's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. You know, my guidance counselor mm -hmm. was like, go, you got to go to a computer graph. You have to go and learn how to program. I was like, really? 
And so he was wrong, you know. And so I, I ended up ended up after all this back and forth, went to a school in Vancouver called Van Arts, uh, Van Arts, which is now, you know, back then it was like like three people or you know maybe ten. And this guy from Warner Brothers came up uh, to recruit for a, a movie called Marvin the Martian: The Third Dimension, and he said. How would you? He saw a little test I did, which was like a flower sack assignment, mm-hmm. and he was like, "How would you like to uh, work at Warner Brothers?" And I was like, "Really?" And I had only been there like uh, six months, you know. And so even the teachers were like, "What? Why are you picking him?" You know? <laughs> they actually had their portfolios in their hands. Oh, ouch. and so I had to compete with the the, the teachers too, but. Eventually, you know, I, I got hired, and another guy named Mike Venturini got hired, and and then uh, a friend of mine, Tom Hyman. We all went down to Warner Brothers, and Mike V still works at Pixar, and um, Tom, I, I, he's in Austin, Texas, working on some great stuff. But you know, after Warner Brothers, I went to Pixar, and I spent 20 years there, from wow. 1997, and left in like 2000 and end of 2017. <laughs> And I got my Woody statue, you know, and, you know, for 20 years of work. And I, I worked on a lot of movies there. And then um, and then I went over to Paris for about a year. I worked on a little bit of uh, the Minions 2 movie. And then I was at Dean Egg for a couple of years in London because I wanted to kind of take a little little side trip and, and work there. And that was amazing, uh, helping them start up their feature animation program uh, or their feature department. And now I'm uh, back home in California, like uh, where I, 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 you know, started and uh, working for Cinesite and uh, working there there as a kind of a global animation director or whatever you call it, uh, and you know, really helping them get the all the kind of animation done there. So it's been fun. Awesome. You kind of touched a little bit on the uh, the very early days of 3D animation. And that's something I'm actually curious uh, about a little, you know, uh, history lesson part of this uh, discussion yeah. here. You, uh, the first feature you worked uh, on at, at Pixar was uh, Bugs Life, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So being well aware of all the technology that we have today, if you had to bring everyone back in time, those that are starting in the industry now, and describe a little bit how it was to animate in the mid uh, uh, to late nineties, uh, how would you describe the experience? Well, <clears throat> you know, Warner brothers was like soft image. Like it was, they used soft image and it was Warner classics and Wabbit, which was called Warner digital. Right. So they were off the shelf leaving there and going to Pixar was like, it was like going to a startup back then. It was so small. It was like 250 people. You know, I was there when Steve Jobs would show up every couple of days and he would introduce people. We just got someone new in lighting. All right. You know, and everybody would <laughs> even animators would walk around and, and they'd be like, who's that guy? Like, you know, some guy just asked me how I like working here. And they would be like, that's Steve Jobs. <laughs> like, they're like, who's he? Steve who? Like, He's the guy that works at Apple. <laughs> you know, and so Steve was just going back to Apple. But but animating at Pixar was <clears throat> Back in those days, um, I was I, I recently went to Arizona to visit my folks, and they had a letter that I had written them that after I was there for three days. <laughs> and I basically what the letter said was, I don't know what I'm doing here. I, I'm, I, don't, I, I don't know. I'm like the worst person here. Right. So I was really intimidated because these 22 year old guys, 
were there and, and girls and they were amazing. There was a group of core people at that time that was like, they were like the top animators. I think it was like Doug Sweetland, Mark Oftedal, um, there was this guy, you know, John Cars, you know, there, there, so there, there was like a group of, of people there, you know, Dave Devan, Steve Hunter, like there's so many different people, Karen Kaiser, and they, they had known what they did. They just finished Toy Story. So I come in on this movie, they give you this piece of software that's completely different from any software. It comes with a big spreadsheet. It looks like you're, you're kind of animating with numbers hmm. and it's all custom. And I was like, I don't even, how do you do this, you know? Um, you'd have to record to a, a, another screen that when you went to dailies, you'd have to press play and run into dailies while oh, it was man. playing. So people would look at each other's screens, you know, if you were not in dailies to see what you were going to show, which was really interesting. Holy cow. <laughs> and, and, you know, you go in there and then this guy is sitting there. It was on a bug's life. It was Andrew Stanton and John Laster in the middle of this dailies room. <laughs> with this crappy couches and everybody is watching it on the screen and they're looping these shots. And, you know, it was amazing because you got to see, you know, like how people worked. You, you never were going to final something until it was really done. There was no f- polish reviews or anything like that, but it was incredible to kind of watch it grow up. And, and also the, the department itself was kind of formulating and it was wild. It was like a animal house. You know, there was like, you know, people were, were putting trains and, and they would decorate their offices and, and there were food fights and there were people playing jokes on each other. So it was, it, it felt like an animation studio, which was really exciting at that time. And, it, but it was hard and it was competitive and very, uh, I, I was stressed out. One of the things I remember the the most when we're looking at those very early days uh, production uh, behind the scene video is exactly what you describe all animators or all uh, artists that would actually dress their uh, own little office or or little uh, desk with all those decorations and really kind of take ownership of the space. Uh, I'm interested to know where this is coming from and then leading it to a conversation. uh, uh, Creativity Inc. is definitely one of the most eye-opening book for for me and it kind of described a little bit the the, the culture that was built at uh, Pixar. And I feel that those early initiatives to let people own their space with their own creativity must have been part of this culture that they were trying to build, right? Well, I mean, you know, I had just left a company that was at the opposite of that, of that while Warner brothers was really good and incredibly talented people. It was very corporate. You know, it was like, I worked in a bank you know, building, like, you know, I went to school, I went to work through, through the mall and to get to a bank, you know? So, but, but Pixar was like a startup. And so where that culture came from, I think it really came from Cal arts, which is that Cal arts, a lot of these directors came from CalArts and CalArts was like, you know, like there was graffiti on the walls and people were sleeping under their desks. And so a lot of the directors, they they came from there and they they kind of infused this culture of like, do whatever you want, you know, like, you know, they they didn't care. So, So that culture of being protected by management to do whatever you wanted, uh, I think the animators, pushed on that a little bit and people kind of once somebody did something 
and like let's say I remember an animator named Tasha Ladine. Uh, she she put a bunk bed in her her cubicle. <laughs> like she she put in a bed, and then everybody was like, hmm. You know, and so then Mark Walsh built a tiki room, mm-hmm. and then another guy built a pagoda, a pagoda out of cardboard, and then so it started to become like a ghetto of of all these little crappy looking um, mishmashes of offices. And I think that by the time we were ready to move out of there, th- there was this place in at Pixar. It was called the Pit, you know, which was it really was like. Uh, it looked like a pit because <laughs> it was uh, it was just like a you know just a mishmash of offices and people were encouraged to do whatever they want and then I think that culture spread to everybody else where like people would say well why does animation get to do it you know like why can't we do that and there's really no reason right so when they moved into the new building you know I think around 2000 like everybody was afraid that it would kind of be like oh it's going to be super clean and corporate. And so immediately people started to mess with it a little bit, you know, like, <laughs> you know, uh, I remember we, we bought some fake grass and I, I bought some lamps and uh, I ended up finding a, a secret room in my office when I first moved in, it was like a hatch. And, and then that, that's a whole nother story, but, but, you know, we were just trying to push on things and then it's mostly middle management that will be like, you can't do that. That's uh, illegal, and uh, you've got fire codes, and, and it, but but if you get the protection of the higher ups, namely Steve or John, you know, at that time it was John, then they couldn't really touch you, you know. And I think mm-hmm. that's what happened was that there was a protection of doing that and being able to kind of push back on the culture. Yeah. So that that's probably what led eventually to allowing this uh, secret room that you found out. Because I'm assuming that it most, I don't know if most animation studio, but definitely in most business, uh, this would not be uh, allowed. And as you said, well, there's fire hazard, there's this, there's that. So please, but it, it turned <laughs> to be the exact opposite. It's it's this thing that became iconic that everyone wanted to kind of visit and, and you know be a little bit a, a part of. Well, it was definitely it was definitely a fire hazard. I will say that, that the Love Lounge, which is what it originally was called, it was basically like an air conditioned vent that you had to access the air conditioning from. So I went in there and I was like all dusty and it was terrible, right? And I put some fur in there and I put started putting Christmas lights and then I, I invited you know just the people like the three animators around my office into it. I think it was like Dylan Brown. Doug, Doug Dooley and maybe Warren Trezevon. And I was like, guys, come on in here and we're going to have a drink. And I made it, I shook up a cocktail. And then we were like, this is cool. Like, you know, and, you know, it sounded like the air conditioning was on and, <laughs> and, you know, and then, and then after like, literally it started to become like, it was a secret room for real for about a month. But then during a, a, a walkthrough, Andrew Stanton, he's, he was like, where, where is Andrew? Andrew, like, you know, he was looking for me for, for walkthrough. We were all in there. <laughs> so, so we came out and he was like, what the hell? Really tall, you know? So he, he was like, what the heck? And he, he couldn't believe it. Right. And so he told everybody. And of course, then Steve jobs and John came by and then it was like game over. 
then it was like no more secret <laughs> room. But then those guys wanted to share it with everybody. So I'm like getting visits from that's so funny. Robert De Niro one day. Yeah, that's part day. of corporate <laughs> visit. You know, like I've got, you know, Steve is asking me to come in with a, you know, I'm like, Steve, it's your, it's your company. You can come in anytime you want. Like, I, yeah. You know, I used to sit in there in my office. I would be, I would be animating. Right. And, and there's like a, like a, like, like, you know, let's say that there's like a hatch, like right here. Right. There's like a little, and so I would be having to animate and be like, Andrew, I'm going to just take somebody in there. This is like Steve. I'm like, <laughs> okay. You know, and so he goes in there they crawl in and then I would listen to sometimes their conversations, you know, like I could hear what they were saying. And man, all I could say is if I had only used some of that information, <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. I would have been rich. Wow. You know? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know, it was really cool. And then ultimately the animation department moved out of that area of, of Pixar back in those days. It was a little bit, I think layout moved in or, or no, I, I forget who moved in, but, and they said, we're going to move the whole department, but we do have another office, which had, again, some sort of a, a annexed room, which was used for, I think, the, the the sound system at Pixar. Like, the whole rack was in there. And so we, we changed that out, and then I was able to say, all right, can I can I build something? They're like, yeah, do whatever you want. Because <laughs> I was like, really? Because they had auctioned this thing off for, like, $10,000 to have a drink, you know, with somebody in the love lounge for charity. Right. And so I, I ended up making one with like a, a bookshelf and a casino. And, and then that was another like great experience. So yeah, it was <laughs> awesome. What, what do you think that this uh, little room represented for uh, Pixar for Steve and because it, it definitely became, uh, you know, part of the experience, part of one of the thing that looks how we are different, how we're creative and, and all that. So you do think that it kind of had this little, um, okay, I can uh, describe it, uh, that it, it kind of represented something yeah. that, that was at the core of what Pixar was. Because Yeah, because where I'm coming from, like I, I'm being an animator around the same time as well. I remember hearing these stories and it was almost like a, from my perspective, it was like a calling card almost. It was like a, a calling card for other creative people. It said something without ha having said very much at all. Like I'm just mm -hmm. like, I'd love to know your perspective. Like, did, did you realize that was happening? Did it became like that, that it became like this, almost this, this secret handshake to other animators that wanted to be like to be working in a bubble with people that were like literally had this boundless freedom Well, I think that the part of the secret sauce of that era of Pixar and 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 studios that go down that road is that <clears throat> I think at the top level is that there is a freedom to do things and you're not going to get smacked on the wrist for doing it. And I think that th that, that kind of experience was there, you know, with those things. And I think, you know, a lot of things that happened back in those early days of like parties and and uh you know com the camaraderie of of the animation department but i think that you know for me personally i wasn't going out and trying to be like we're going to be a pirate ship you know like we're, <laughs> like it was more of like i just wanted to do something that was fun yeah uh because i had always read stories when i was younger about like termite terrace and <laughs> and these legendary parties that happened like uh, the norconian party at, at at disney the snow white party You know, and so I, I think we've kind of wanted to recreate that in some way of like, 
this sense of, you know, a little bit like we're, we're working on animated movies, but, but we're going to have as much fun as possible. Yeah. I think that that, what I was always told is that if we have a lot of fun, it'll end up back on the screen, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and that, that kind of reverence. And, you know, back in those days, you have to also realize that, that Pixar wanted to make movies that Disney didn't necessarily want to make, you know, like in terms of like, they didn't want to make a princess movie at the time. They didn't want to make a movie with songs. They wanted to just make movies that they liked growing up with. Like, you know, a lot of the filmmakers, they just wanted to make films that they were into. And so, but, but, you know, the secret rooms and all, all that stuff, that was like a, a, definitely a culture of like, let's see what we can get away with or push mm. but also, you know, not with going over the line. Like there's always a line you don't want to cross <laughs> at a company. And I think that that's hard to know, you know, like you have to, to kind of realize that. And I think that that obviously happens, you know, where yeah. you go to the bar and it's like, look, this is still a workplace, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I agree that from the exterior, it, it kind of gave the uh, impression that it was a place, I don't want to say run by artists, but that artists yeah. had a freedom. lot of freedom. And in parallel, it was by far the most successful Uh, studio both on the critic side and the box office style so I think that yeah. for an entire generation it was like see they're having fun they, they are allowed to to be crazy and they're still making billions <laughs> so yeah, why can we have a little bit more of that ourselves? yeah I, I agree with you and I think that that a lot of con companies forget about that they do. and I think that if you do give artists you know a lot of freedom and 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 The, the kind of space to explore and to do their own thing and to, to make shorts on the side. And, you know, I think that it does feed back into the ultimate culture. Like, and I think that that DNA is probably still there. You know, I think it's a lot different now. There's a lot more corporate, like, I guess, constraints that, you know, for things that, you know, can't be done this the right, you know, the same way. But I think the, the DNA of what you're talking about is that, it's artist run and it's, it's excellence of, of what you love about the craft. You know, that animation yeah. is like, you know, really king, you know, and I think that, you know, at some studios, uh, you know, it's not that way, you know, it's like the voice talent is the king or the, uh, you know, maybe the effects are the star, but I think that Pixar at that time, at least during my tenure there, it was all about story and, um, story and character, you know, and, and really pushing on like, this isn't good enough. Let's keep going and iterating and trust the process and all these things that you read about in the books. You know, I had a mentorship with Ed Catmull actually that, you know, was really enlightening, uh, like where he kind of broke down that book and it was amazing just to hear him talk and expound around the ideas of listening and, and really, really digging into what didn't work and what did work, you know, about things. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's one thing in his book, Creativity Inc., that really struck me and was the, uh, when they put in place the, uh, the brain trust 
which is mm. basically you surround, you know, the directors or whoever has a creative uh, challenge and you kind of remove the um, the hierarchy of who's supervising who and, you know, it's just a trusted group uh, um, um, of people that you can bounce idea around and try to, to, uh, to, to find solution. Um, is that something that you were uh, exposed to when you were working uh, over there or is that something that you have thoughts on? I got to go to a couple of brain trusts, but I think mostly the brain trust was a very small group of people that <clears throat> was mostly surrounded by, you know, like the writer and the director, obviously producer, uh, you know, a story people would come in from, from the story department. You would have people that would come in that were the writer. And so it was, it was usually a smaller group, but I did kind of see a couple of sessions obviously. And, and I always thought it was amazing because, what the book says might not always be perfectly true. I think there's, there's always like a little bit of mythology that happens when you read a book or a magazine article. I think what happens is that, you know, the magazine article guy, you know, or girl, they, they, um, they'll interview somebody and then they'll write an article and then that'll become the mythology of how the movie was made. But really it isn't that way. I think that the brain trust was just great in that, it was just experts that were pushing back. And I think that it was always told to me that that's not how Hollywood worked. You know, like um, Hollywood, if you had like a, a director, for instance, <clears throat> I think I talked to Quentin Tarantino about this when he visited the Love Lounge, oddly. He said that he didn't, <laughs> he didn't, like, he didn't like to have director screenings that much because he knew he was going to get notes and he didn't like <laughs> getting notes. He wanted to make the movie he wanted to make. Yeah. But I think that he, he, uh, Pixar was very different in that they were giving notes to the director and if they didn't take them, it was really up to them, like whether they took the notes or the spirit of the note, you know, like mm -hmm. what, is, what is really trying to be said. And, uh, you know, I think that ultimately, uh, they're making their movie, but they're they're getting input from all these people to kind of try to address things that they see that are not working, like the character is not likable, or or this character uh, is th there's this whole area of the movie is talking too much. This just you know nothing. So I think that you know if the director didn't address the notes and the and the, and it went back and forth and it wasn't improving, obviously, like most movies, there's something big happens, a crisis. Yeah, uh, and I think, and then half of all the movies I worked on, I think there was a director change, or there was always some crisis that everybody knew that was going to happen. Like, okay, something's going to happen. You know, they're going to blow the movie up. You know, like you almost feel it. You know, yeah, it keeps everyone on their toes, I guess. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it, it's almost reassuring to know that a studio like Pixar is getting. Uh, more often than not in, in trouble on those production and they have to, you know, hit either hit the break or, as you said, change director or, you know, uh, change sequences and, and all that. We kind of have, again, this uh, idea from the exterior that they can, they just arrive with the perfect idea and then they perfectly execute it and it's a walk in the park. And you... <laughs> no I don't think any studio has it that way. If they are, then it'd be amazing. But I, I think... Every studio, um, there's some crisis, there's some problem, there's some thing that happens that, you know, you know that there's going to be a huge blow up. I think there was yeah. maybe a couple movies where I don't remember it happening as bad. Maybe, 
you know, uh, Incredibles for me wasn't like I don't remember a huge explosion, but there, there. If you ask them, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, there was. There was a huge thing here." But I think, um, <clears throat> I think it's almost like part of the process, like knowing that even on a shot work, like on animator shot work, I I would always when I was animating a shot, I always felt like there was a a, a time in the shot where I was like, I, "I hate this. Like this looks like crap. I I don't know what I'm doing." And and even my you know, people looking at it would be like, uh, you know, like they would, they would make notes. And so and if I didn't blow it up, I knew that the shot would suck, you know? And I think mm. that um, it's, it was almost like a natural pain or process. And I found looking at some of the better animators, the top animators work that some of them would go through extreme pain and sh like literally like shouting and cursing and <laughs> and and sleeping there and, and but then they would come out with this piece of work that was stunning that i would i'd be like oh my god like how did they do that you know and and it, but it was through pain like it was through like like utter yeah. pain to get it like that and in those situations do you feel that they just kept on iterating or there's a few times that they're like you know what i start over it, it, it doesn't work I, i'm going in the wrong direction i'd rather start over on a blank page and redo it no i think that um it, you know there are always going to be animators that are like you know knock it out of the park and you're like ah you know like i can't believe that person is so good you know uh but i i think that for the ones that have really unbelievable acting or or there's a scene a moment in a scene that you just remember i do think that there was iterations and going around and around and pushing further on it unless somebody just gets a character or a scene then they just have it in their head which happens mm -hmm. i do think a lot of the greatest scenes in animation like they, they've been pounded you know mm. yeah yeah I'm, I'm just curious you know what what was your favorite part in, in animation in the entire process um my favorite part, I think blocking, showing blocking in dailies for the first time, your heart is beating, you're, you don't know whether you're going to get a laugh maybe, or somebody's going to talk about your shot after dailies. I think that that was always exciting, you know, especially in the early days where, you know, you're comparing yourself to people that are really, really good and, and kind of getting that kind of feeling like, yeah, I can do this, you know, like I, I yeah. thought maybe I would last at Pixar for like a year. Or, or you know, maybe 20 <laughs> years later but uh you know i think that it was that competitive nature of of going into dailies and feeling like i want to show like i'm mm -hmm. i'm a performer you know and i think that that was the most of, i liked that part i also liked um the cultural aspect of the friendships and the you know i don't want to say cultish nature but i i think that there was a little bit of like a little kind of insular it's very different from from outside i now now being outside of the studio it's it's you know it's just different out there it's great in some ways it's other ways it's not i think there's pluses and minuses but i don't know the process mm -hmm. for me I, I just like blocking polish to me was always like ugh. like that was like <laughs> i almost feel like now a lot of animation is over polished and i feel like people polish out all the the kind of essence of it and, and you're like looking at such perfection of spline work and you're like where did the core go you know 
Yeah, it's funny because for me, I definitely enjoy the uh, blocking process uh, mm -hmm. as well. And I, I definitely felt this kind of stress and anxiety when you show in front of not only the director, but the producer and 20 animators and everyone uh, around. But at the same time, it was the, the most difficult part of animation, but the most uh, uh, rewarding as well when it's uh, working well. As polishing, that's the moment that I went on autopilot. Let's say your blocking is approved, you're already in spine, you're polishing. I would have like music and a documentary on the style and just occupy my brain because it, it, cool. it became almost like autopilot boring. So I need, you know, more stimulus. Otherwise, it's just going to be a few days of, you know, of just boredom. <laughs> yeah, I always felt like one of the the tools that was extremely more advanced than Maya or was, was the spline editor at Pixar, which was this very, very, you know, without kind of giving away like the tool, which you really can't, but I, I think it, <clears throat> it was, it allowed you to kind of have tabbed splines. Like you could have a bunch of tabs of like many different splines Mm -hmm. and, and, and the scale between those splines and the relationships like hands and feet and then torso and head. And, and so I always found that that was <clears throat> really powerful. And I, I'd always wondered, like, why doesn't Maya have that? You know, and yeah. like little mm. things like that, you know? Yeah. I think, I think that's one of the legendary things too, that I have, I've always heard about <clears throat> Pixar and, and other big companies like it, like, uh, like DreamWorks. And like, it, it feels like animators almost have to relearn their craft in many ways because of all the proprietary tools and like these, you know, close, closely guarded secrets that I, and I, I hear a lot of animators that leave these, these studios and then they just almost feel like, oh my God, I have to do it the old fashioned way now. Like I'm, they, they almost get used to those tools and then they realize how painful it's going to be to have to operate without them. So like, uh, yeah. Uh, mm. there's a, I mean, there's, there must be just a gigantic learning curve. I would imagine for a lot of animators who haven't been exposed to those tools and just to kind of relearn a new way of doing things. You mean going from proprietary to off the shelf? No, like say, say for instance, you're an animator, you've been working in Maya all, all the, all the, for, for, for years, and then you get a job at Pixar. Um, and then suddenly <laughs> it's like, wow, it's like, they don't, they, they don't use Maya here. They use something completely different. Like, is that, you see a lot of animators? Not that hard. Sorry, I, I not that hard? I think it's the, the the other way around is harder. I think that mm, yeah, sure. Often the Maya animators would come in and be like, "This tool sucks," you know. Yeah. But then they'd be like, "Wow, this tool is oh, ridiculously yeah. amazing," you know. Yeah. And I think that they they learn that it's way more powerful sure. in the end. And then when you leave that, you're like, oh, "I got to yeah. this." Totally. You know? So I think that that's really um, and you know it kind of excites me about you know companies like Blender that are kind of more open source where yeah. you're starting to see like all these add-ons and plugins yeah. and you're like this that's what I like and I, I always thought that DreamWorks or Pixar or Disney or whoever would just open source their software like Wouldn't that what's be nice? the what's the well. At least yeah. Pixar, like at least they lost, they they released RenderMan. Like I mean, that and that changed yeah. the industry for a lot of other companies because there was it was so it's such a great rendering engine that it changed mm -hmm. everything for some people. But yeah, I agree. It would be so nice to be able to get access to some of those tools. I and it's interesting because you were there for like like in the second movie, right? Like so they you would you would have seen so much pioneering in the technology, like so much of it. Like I can only imagine what you would have witnessed from beginning until the by, by the, the the sorry the time you left, just because of so many years of innovation and like you know like it's i can only imagine how those tools improved from the beginning to the, to the end 
Well, it was weird because, you know, when I first got there in order to like, just to check out a shot, you know, it was all Linux and Unix based. It would, you'd have to check it out. And then yeah. if you wanted to check out flick, but then someone else, you didn't want Heimlich, you'd have to mm-hmm. type in, you know, who you wanted to check out, but you still could share a shot in the very, very beginning. even. And I think that that's stuff that I don't even see, you know, as well as, today even like in current you know pipelines like there's not easy share shot sharing there's not multi shots where you're you've got like think about if maya could have five to ten shots open a whole sequence where you can work on everything that's something that doesn't exist that's been in a lot of these companies is just multi-shot workflow you know hookups and and being able to play this shot live in this in this section and then I'm animating on this one and I'm looking at the, I can work on the hookup, you know, mm-hmm. like that stuff is super powerful. Um, yeah. Also things like, you know, if I've got a ridiculously complex background and I just want a Z depth image of it, you know, like a, an image that describes the depth, you know, like, like that stuff is still not really existing out there in the world. You know? So I think that there's a lot of technology that exists that is very obvious, but mm-hmm. I think that it just takes, um, you know, somebody writing it and somebody yep. kind of understanding it. You know, I think totally. USD having USD out there that it's great. I think that, that that's really improved. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that a lot of it is, um, you know, customizing that. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. interesting. I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of studios I've worked at. That's sort of a common problem that 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 stuff su- that the 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 content creators suffer is to try to convince. The, you know, the production team to spend production money on some of the tooling to make the quality of life of some of the artists better. It's not to say that they don't want to. It's just that it's difficult during production to sort of, you know, justify taking like these engineers that are like putting out fires on the production to like go and try to be preventative, go visit some of the uh, sort of the yeah. the virtual houses before fire strike and and, and make those tools. I, it's, I feel like it's a common complaint. And I feel like some of the more successful companies have somehow somehow prioritized that they've, they've said, look, you know, we need to, you know, build very, very, very comfortable, very ergonomic, very powerful pencils for our artists, because otherwise, like, you know, what else are we doing here? Like, I just yeah. find that there's a there's a correlation between investing in those kind of things and uh, the the results often. Well, I think that, that was probably part of the Pixar, um, you know, legacy was that it really was a computer software company. You know, yeah. back before it became film, so there were already people doing that. You know, and yeah. writing tools and then inventing things like alpha channels and stuff like that. So I think that that was kind of in the history of that, that uh, that's probably what was missing at some of the other studios. I think that the importance of that, you're right. It does get lost and people will be like, well, you guys aren't on this production. It's not ramping up. We don't need to make that tool yet. Yeah, but totally. Like, yes, we do. <laughs> yeah, please. actually. Yeah. yeah. Please God, please make that tool right away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's why I think that all the stuff that's happening with unreal engine and all these, these tools that are coming up that can read, you know, your face and, and, you know, you're yeah. able to kind of, I mean, all that stuff is very close to kind of changing the paradigm, you know, like the ability to kind of block with my hand if I wanted oh, to yeah. or, or use use this as like my my translation. If I want to just take a a rock and then go, boom, 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 boom you know, like like obviously the, the camera should know where it is and and I can block, you know, like blocking animating in VR, all that stuff. I still feel like 
there's a way more to go and there's so many oh, more yeah. things that can be done and it'll it'll be 10 years from now we're going to look back and be like we animated like that. Yeah. for sure for sure it's like looking at my daughter looks at a at a, a, a telephone like it was a video she saw on the internet the other day and it was like one of the old school ones right she's and she's she laughs her ass off at the end and she looks at me she goes that wasn't even a real telephone and i'm like oh man <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's not even a real telephone but, but that's a question we... mixed up though like do you guys ever often how do you guys keep up on every single technology and i was kind of curious about how the audience like how do you know you're not missing out on like you know this whole thing of like let's say nfts you know like mm. it comes up i hear it about it like a month ago now it's like boom mainstream yeah, explodes yeah, yeah. It, it's not easy. It, it goes so fast. And it seems that every year it seems to be going faster, faster yeah. and faster. We have, you know, some people in the community that are asking us, you know, how is, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, AI is going to influence animation. And in 10 years from now, are we still even going to animate or we're just going to ask, you know, Alexa, please have this character walk and then Maya will automatically provide you with an infinite. At the same time, we go back and I remember like 15, 20 years ago, people say, oh my God, mocap is going to make animators obsolete and it definitely didn't happen. So is it just history repeating or is it just that we're getting in this exponential curve that things are going to evolve so rapidly because between the AI and NFT and uh, open source software that are coming in and it's, um, I don't know, I feel there is one constant is that technology is evolving more rapidly than, than us, than human. Because, so if even if there is technology right now we could use that could potentially uh, uh, speed up the work like 10x, uh, it's going to take a few years before we are actually able to figure it out, organize ourselves and create proper pipeline and workflow that take advantage of it. Yeah. Uh, but I do agree that right now, if you try to remain aware on a daily basis of every evolution of the technology in our field, it it gets to a point that it's just overwhelming and you don't oh, yeah. even yeah. know where to look anymore. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Good way to See, your by the way, did you guys want to take any questions? I see a bunch of questions. Yeah. On the, on the yeah, side. yeah, absolutely. Now's a good time. It's about uh, 15 minutes uh, to the end of the uh, to our little chat here. So I wanted to let's see here. I have I have a question here from um, Ayush. And uh, the question was, what real advice would you have for a junior animator applying for his first job? Real meaning not Demo. like genuine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> not Demo, like real advice. Yeah, okay. like what, yeah, I don't want the good. sort of pretend <laughs> advice. I want the real stuff, the real McCoy. Well, I mean, you know, it's changed so much, you know, uh, over the years. I think that the biggest advice I would, I would, I would give is that the word specificity is really important. It's very, it's very easy to make animation that looks like you went to school and you took an assignment and you did this or that. But if you add a little bit of character to that, or storytelling, or specificity of how a character does something that's what the people that I, that's those are the people i'm looking for is that i'm looking for a spark like i don't necessarily care if your polish isn't absolutely perfect i'm more interested in the idea uh, of like how did this person come up with that idea and are the acting ideas good obviously the weight and all that principle stuff should be 
like the the jam on the on the toast but it's more like is the toast itself good you know and, and i think that i want to i want to see character you know i want to see character i want to see somebody that i could be like ah, that's just like my cousin you know like like you know and and i think that that's that's what i'm interested in uh you know in is is ideas and storytelling you should have all that other stuff there principles weight squash and stretch all that all that stuff but but ultimately uh, acting like really good acting and if possible storytelling and then you should know that damn it like put some freaking backgrounds on there like if you can get somebody to hook up clothing somebody can do some hair for you light it even better because then you're like whoo damn did you see that like you know we used to look at black and white you know renders we, we would tell our students back in the days of academy of art and we'd say don't do any lighting or or just animate it but now i feel like you kind of have to do something to, that looks good otherwise you're kind of getting left behind with somebody that come does come that has things rendered yeah so in other words you, you just you don't want to be impressed you want to be entertained by <laughs> what you're you're going to see in the uh, showreel and i do agree that if you have a dozen great show reel with great performance uh who went the extra mile of you know as you said doing the the background the lighting and, and all that and it, it might inform a little bit on the passion of this uh, individual so I yeah i mean a... some people would get internships at pixar you know I, i was i led the internship there like four times and sometimes people would get in on on something they did with socks like they, they animated clothing with magnets and and they'd be yeah. like wow that looks amazing you know and and so we would take that person over somebody who had perfect polish that had the perfect line you know so i think that you want to show your creativity and you want to show your your ideas and you want to you know it doesn't always have to be a two-person dialogue test or or this there should be a weight test on you know like like make a story you know make yeah. make all that kind of stuff up uh, and and also show people that you have great ideas i think that's really important And then also trajectory. Somebody asked, like, what's good advice uh, on this? I think, <clears throat> like, what what is um, to give an animator starting the journey? I'd say that one of the things I just want to say that I never knew until like way too late was understand what your trajectory is, mm. at least of what you want it to be. Do you want to be an animator, and then do you want to ultimately be a supervising animator, and then do you want to be a director? by then, you know, like I never thought about that. I just went day to day. And I think that it hurt me in the end because I wasn't prepared when I got to the part where I was going to be directing. You got to know so much in order to direct a movie. You have to know film knowledge. You have to know how to cut. You have to know story. You have to know writing. You have to know lighting. And so I think that like, if you're going that to that point, you better start studying while you're working. On the animation part, mm -hmm. yeah, that's um, that's you know, I, it's it's funny that the, the just to react really quickly to that uh, the the comment you made about um, you know, it, it's sort of a, the game has changed a little bit. Like the bar has been raised beyond just being able to do just worrying only about the animation. It's like whether we like it or not, to stand out. There, there's so many more people now learning how to animate. 
and there's so many more yeah. reels coming to these 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 companies you need to find a way of figuring out how can you be a unique individual that people are going to remember of course you need to kind of make sure that you've got the, the right stuff too like i mean if you like a lot of people i feel like they rush off and they try to like you know i i mean I've, i'm guilty of the same thing saying the same thing to my students sometimes like don't go too far with this make sure that at least your animation like your body mechanics need to be good before you yeah. start to try to like you know put all the bells and whistles and stuff like this because i feel like some animators are in a big rush so it's like a difficult thing for them to manage in their head like okay what what should i focus on should it be the mechanics and and then this stuff or like both of those things it's kind yeah. of it can be a tricky thing right but I, I i always tell people make sure that you absolutely feel like your body mechanics are pretty solid before you try to get too fancy otherwise it looks like you're decorating and distracting yeah. from the actual missing the missing uh sort of uh foundational walls yeah. you know um, a, I have That's another true. question here. Um, for Veronica um, asks, how do you, how do you, or how does it feel to have some of the shots you've animated transcend beyond the actual film and actually enter the space of, of, of meme? Like, like where people have like turned your thing into like pop, pop, uh, sorry, pulp fiction. Like what, uh, what does that feel like? I'm sure that's a very different feeling than seeing your stuff on the screen for the first time. I mean, I never really thought about that. I, that's a, a great question. I mean, I, uh, like you're talking about like a meme if you type in like Edna Mode or Mike Wazowski or something like that. Is that yeah, what you're talking about? Like yeah, and like if they're just like a meme, like it's either just like a single shot with like some text or or maybe just a quick short video or something that is just viral, in other words. That's, that's I mean, sort of honestly, like people are like, you know, animators are kind of like as about as famous as, you know, radio hosts, you know, like they're kind of like, you know, invisible in some ways yeah. because it isn't you that you're doing the work. It's like the character comes out. So I, I think that, I mean, I'll relate a funny story. I remember Glenn Keane telling this story about how he was trying to get into, he was trying to get into Disneyland and he, uh, he, he couldn't get in for some reason. And he was like, he was like, don't you know who I am? And like, it, 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 essentially he was like, I animated beast and uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm Glenn Keane. And they were like, so <laughs> you know, they, they didn't yeah. they didn't really know so. so i think i kind of equated to that and you know like i don't really think about any of that it's just more luck if anything if something goes out there and it's viral or people like it i think that that's really um it's cool to see but i yeah. i never really thought about it and my my kids they certainly don't care so i think um i just look at it like yeah i mean i ultimately it would be cool to work on stuff that people see uh, but I never really thought about the whole meme thing. Yeah, uh, I feel like the the, it, the meme thing is it's interesting because it feels like it it like it it left the screen. You know, it became bigger. It integrated itself into daily life, like where like you know that you've done something interesting when you like your uncle that you haven't seen in years sends you an email with a meme that like was attached to a shot that you did on a film. Like it's it goes or like beyond. A pose you did ends up on a diaper. You know, yeah, like, exactly. Oh, I, I did that exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. I had a part of the de the design. It was I was uh, you know Pampers brought me in. I took as a consultant on that one. Yeah. I think that's um, why a lot of people stay at companies like these big companies because they get. It's not so much about the money or the. It's about like they get to work on these films that a lot of people see. And, yeah, you know, sure. and I think that's part of the attraction of it. You know, and I think I get that. You know? Yeah, makes sense. Uh, I got another question here from Chester. Thoughts on creating a more collaborative animation. Um, um, sorry, what animation at a culture? Ch 
Oh, wait, hold on a second. I should have maybe not read that one because it, I can't quite read that one. Chester has worked in some studios that have great collaboration and basically and uh, feedback and others with basic, basically none. I guess the, uh, the, the general idea here is any tips in your mind on how you can stimulate and cultivate um, this kind of collaborative animation culture that you'd be looking for for really good productions? Well, I mean, it's hard when you're in this pandemic because everybody's on Zoom and, and it's extremely difficult to do it over digital. You know, you can't have like, uh, you know, meetings where you're like, all right, everybody get their drink out. We're going to make a cocktail. You know, it's like, you know, that's, that's <laughs> fun. But I think that um, learning is one thing. Like insp inspiration is huge. Being able to never, ever be... Um, like like you've arrived like constantly digging in and self being self you know analyzing yourself and the team and constantly learning you know i think when i when i started over at dneg we were trying to build that we were doing things called animators talking animation people would come in with a lecture every week we would invite people i'm trying to do the same thing with cinesite where where i'm i'm inviting a lot of people from outside and inside and I think that's one of the great things about a, a studio that shares and you're sharing how you did it. And animators are sharing within themselves and the lighting team is coming to see. And it's, it's basically just integrating everybody and trying to say like, how do we make this better? And, and what do we like about this? And what if this, and, and, and that's where you start to kind of come up with all these, like, well, what if we had a tool that could do this? And it's like, yeah, we could do that. And then this other person will go and do it on, on the side, you know, and it's really that kind of can do attitude, you know, and not having people that are the blockers that are like, well, we can't do that because the X, Y, Z budgets. It's like, oh, just get, get out of here. You know, like you, don't want the, <laughs> you want the people that are like, damn right. We're going to do that. And this is how we're going to do that. Like, you know, and, th and that's how, that's how stuff really kind of starts to light on fire. But I, I would say that it's it's inspiration. It's also keeping it fun and loose. Yeah. And remember that we are making cartoons at the end of the day. It's we're not we're not in a bank, yeah. you know. Or saving lives in a hospital. Yeah, I mean maybe saving lives with laughs, you know. But yeah, I, that's I think, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but I do think that like I think it's just like not being so precious about things and being like, let's have fun, let's do this, like like let's make it the way we would want it, you know. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Um, I have another one here. <laughs> this one's <laughs> this one's directed at us. I'll put it up there anyways, just for funsies. Um, so where the heck are all the modeling conversations? That's what that's what I, that's what poor person wants to know in the chat. They are, you know, modeling. I mean, I, I I have such a huge respect for you know, like the modeling is like probably one of the most important things. Like like out of the box, your character or your set or your background is like. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about, you know? And, and if you don't start with something like I, I, I've had such great time working with modelers and it's, it's just the most, one of the most important things is working yeah. with great modelers and riggers and just in general. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it, maybe that's for you guys to get yeah. more modelers. Yeah, no, that was, that was, it was a jab at David and I, because we keep bringing on these amazing guests that have like this animation experience. And now, so now naturally people are like, they're peripheral to that or kind of like, okay, so like, when do we get our money guests that we get to ask them all kind of modeler questions? So yeah, yeah that that's, makes that's what that was all yeah. So Brent, I would say during next week stream, we're going to announce who's going to be our, our first 
I think model guess for yes. yeah, the next stream. Yeah. So we have one week to figure this one out. Oh boy. All right. Well, I can't accepted. wait. Challenge <laughs> So, Andrew, I have a question. It's this is I'm selfishly taking a, a, a jump into the queue here. Um, yeah, sure. So we didn't we didn't get a chance to touch on this, but like I find it I find it you're you're a unique person that you know very few people can probably answer a question like this. So I think this is a good one. A lot of people struggle, right? Right, whether when they're at a job and and they they like that job, but they have this there's something that they feel like they need to go do. I feel like you probably just went through a journey like this, and I mean I I can imagine the the, the all the ideas. Like, I'm sure that that was scary and exciting, but like to leave. A job like pixar after 20 years <laughs> like I, and i don't i you don't have to get too deep into this i mean because it is a pretty big Why'd question leave, right That's no no well no i don't i don't <laughs> it's i don't think it's i don't i'm not trying to give you a gotcha question here what i'm trying to yeah. do is i'm trying to say like animators it's hard right because we are we wear our hearts on our <clears> sleeves <throat> we go we put a lot of our, 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 our effort into things and sometimes we feel the need like we're we're we almost we almost feel like we're crazy because we love this job i've left a lot of jobs that i've loved i guess is what mm -hmm. i'm getting into here and there's a like i think there's a lot of new animators that are kind of new to the job that don't know how to manage a situation like that like how do they do they they feel like they're going to be blacklisted if they leave a job like that and and like they they get all these 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 fears and these assumptions that come with that i mean i guess maybe just a little insight into like maybe the kind of the mental and emotional journey that you kind of were on um when when coming up with the, making a decision like this well i mean i think that's a great question first of all i mean i i think that ultimately you know some people would say up or out, right? And I think that if you love animating and, and just that's all you want to do, then you wouldn't really never, you would never leave a job that like a Pixar or a Disney because you're an animator and that's all you want to do. I think I was trying to scratch an itch that after 15, 20 years there, I was like, what else can I do to kind of stay excited and motivated? Because animation was, was, uh, definitely there but i just felt like i wasn't learning as much as i could mm. you know maybe i could learn and, and be a little bit better of an animator or just just animate characters be an actor essentially you know yeah and i do miss that i, I definitely do but i yeah. i just kind of wanted to see if there was a something outside of, mm -hmm. of pixar and also what was it like outside the united states was something mm. i wanted to take my family on a journey like, yeah. a, like, like a character, right? For sure. But I ultimately, the problem with places like Disney and Pixar and Dis, you know, DreamWorks and all these high-end studios is that there's an incredibly huge amount of talent that is hitting like a ceiling of like, look, we've got this whole runway of people that are doing things and some are young and some are, are have incredible ideas. You have to let those people flourish and, and bring up the new ideas. You know, and so I think that I, I just was kind of wanting to to flex different types of muscles of like, wonder what it would be like to exec produce or what what it would be like to help on a short or make a short or or yeah. what would it be like to kind of get the experience of running things a little bit better. And I think that's when uh, you get you know you know that's when I really felt like I, I wanted to just try what it was like outside a little bit. And totally. you know, it's been I would say that it's been both amazing and also really hard. I can only um, imagine you leave the womb yeah. to go out into the dark cold and you're like, you know, totally. Um, but I think that <clears throat> I've learned like 10 times as much. And I think that Ed Catmull, he's like, take risks, you know, like he, he, he encouraged yeah. me to like, you have to take risks. You know, I, I literally asked him, I said, I don't know if I should leave or not. You know, I, I, I have, I'm conflicted about it. He goes, well, it's good to take risks. 
Yeah. Hmm. What a great mentor. Yeah. That's amazing. Awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to go a little later if you, you know, if you guys want to have a couple more questions, I, I don't have you, to end it right on. Are you, exactly. are you sure? Okay. Yeah. I, I can ask yeah. a couple more. There's a couple more. Um, there's, awesome. there's one, one I had queued up. Thanks by the way, for sticking around for a couple extra minutes. That was amazing. Um, <clears throat> we have a question here, which is kind of perfectly piggybacking on this, this theme that we're on right now, which is what is it like being an animation director? Like you've made that transition. You had this itch you wanted to scratch. You wanted to feel like this, the entrepreneur or the pioneer in you wanted to go and take a look at this other area of, of the industry and this other experience. What has that been like so far in your mind? And like, how is it different? Like, does, do you like it more? Do you like it less? Is it the same, just different? Like, you know, what, what does that feel like, I guess, in, in relationship to what your, your, your previous job was like? I think that, um, when you're an animator, you, you're definitely like, you're, you're left to your own devices and you can focus on that shot or shots and you're very, very focused. And then you have a piece of something to show and, and you're like, I did that shot, you know? Mm -hmm. And so with, with animation direction, you're kind of like, you're helping everybody and you're helping try to get the collective, you know, work up. And it's not sometimes as rewarding as like the literal shot it's more like being a coach on like sidelines, like, you know, mm. and yeah. watching these incredible athletes, you're like, damn, like I could never run that fast. But if you do this way and maybe try this, you're going to be able to do this better. Right. And I think that that's really rewarding. I would say that you definitely do lose a little bit of your muscle of animation. Like, you know, when you're not animating shots and you're not on the ground and you lose it, you know, so you, I think it's important for animation directors to, to stay warm, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Uh, otherwise you're, you know, you're really losing a little bit of it. I was always, always impressed that even Pete Doctor would animate like one shot on the film or something, you know, but I do think that it's more rewarding, like that you can craft a larger thing. I think that that's yeah. really cool. If you're interested in teaching, then you're naturally probably interested in directing because you're kind of helping mentor people towards a, giant, a larger goal. And I think that that's, that's been really rewarding for me, seeing people succeed. What I don't understand sometimes is like the emotional problems that people have or, <laughs> or the human resource problems of like, well, this person is not gonna get their shot done because of X, Y, Z. And it's like, okay, you know, and you have to be really like a good listener. And, mm. and I, I've had to learn a lot about that and, and what not to say and, and mm. You know, how to be an adult, kind of. Because when you're an animator, you're kind of like a kid a little bit, you know. <laughs> Building forts in your office. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, that, I, that's a really interesting perspective. And I, I I loved hearing you articulate it like that. Like this, the idea of it being that you are transitioning from being maybe a star player to being a coach. And I mean, it's a great analogy because a lot of star players from sports have done exactly the same thing. And not all of them are able to do that transition. I feel like yeah. some of them, they feel like at the end of the day, no, they really feel like they, they would need to be the one out there scoring the goal. They, they cannot, for some reason, they, they struggle with it feeling like it's just as much their goal as it is the player's goal because they had a part of that. And I think if you're not yeah. built like this, when it sound, it's amazing that you obviously sound like you're built like this. So you're probably warming up quite nicely to that directorial role. But a lot of people, like, they don't transition well. I've, I know of a lot of people who try directing and it just doesn't, it just doesn't sit right, you know? Totally. I mean, I would, I would totally agree. I think that it's it's really hard and what I like about it like and I feel like especially if you're you're with somebody that was a director if you get the chance to co-direct you you watch them and you're like wow that's how it's done you know and I think yeah. that I like the learning process 
I feel like that that's where you want to be. You always want to be in a constant state yeah. of growth and learning. Totally. Know? Otherwise, you, know, you get stagnant. That's why I ultimately left, you know, was because I just felt like, okay, I could go on to the next feature and the next and the next yeah. and maybe do, you know, but there were, there were kind of, ironically, now there's like Disney Plus. They probably opened up a whole bunch of things, but, um, you know. You <laughs> now know, you that Edward's gone, let's open that thing up. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, you make choices, and I think that I've been having a lot of fun. Uh, work. I have a couple of really fun projects that I've been working on. I can't mm-hmm. necessarily talk about them yet, but they're, they're, you know, they're they're just totally different things that I would have never gotten to work oh, on. that's like, exciting. Sort of like an, mm-hmm. R, an R-rated cartoon. Oh. I've been, that's been kind of interesting and working on, uh, like, things in other countries. So, so it's been fun. That's yeah. cool. I'm just curious, Andrew, uh, uh, any ambition eventually of maybe directing your own, uh, you know, short or feature or kind of go in this other, because that's another direction. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure if it's the next step, but it's one of the, yeah. Well, I I always loved the idea of just storytelling. And if the right story comes around, um, you know, I definitely have a couple of things in development that I'm working on. And I think that, you know, if the the planets align and and it's uh, something exciting, I'd love to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to ask one last question, if you don't mind. Um, sure, and, uh, It is going to wrap it up, um, and uh, it's kind of a classic question. So you know, a little cliche, but what you know, what better way to end a beautiful conversation with a with a little bow on it, a little cliche bow. <laughs> so um, the question is, it's a bit of a paraphrase from one of the questions from the uh, from the chat, but basically, if you could go back in time and somehow have that conversation with the young you know, ambitious and like, you know, excited animator coming out of like, uh, Van- it was, you were, you went to Van. Cal Arts. Oh, that's right. You went to Cal Arts, right. But then you, but then you, no, went, I didn't you went go to Cal Arts. I went to uh, you, a little school in Vancouver yeah, and exactly. in New Jersey called exactly. William Patterson. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, is it, so it was called Van, did it, is that the same school that turned into Van, Vancouver, sorry, Vancouver Film School or was, are they completely no, it different was, entities? No, it was, in the early days it was called Vancouver School of Animation. Then it turned into a school called Van Arts. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. So Van Art, but it's still around, is it not? Van Art? Yeah, it's still around. Okay. All right. Okay. Good. So if you could go back and talk to that that person, you know, all bright eyed and bushy tailed, what would you tell them about, like, you know, what was like to to prepare them for the journey that you were about to go on? That's a great question. I probably would have stayed in school a little longer. I, I, I feel <laughs> like cool. I, don't leave the place. No, Safety. I would have stayed. I would have made films. Like I would have made a couple mm. of films in school. What okay. one of the things I regret was not. I got hired after about two and a half years of schooling, and so I regret not staying in, and maybe making a film or learning about something different. Uh, I I took the job because I had no money, you know. And so I, um, I would just say I would, I would want to work on a film. That was one of the things that I'd be like, all right, you know. And and I think that's what you get when you see some of these filmmakers from some of the schools. I've been impressed with a lot of the schools in France, you know, that have these like five-year programs where they have a group of five people making an unbelievable film, you know. And oh, yeah. I, I think I, I would have liked to do that, you know. So yeah, I think just making a film. And I also would have said uh, to my younger self, don't freak out as much. Like just, <laughs> just chill out a little bit, you know, try to relax. It's good to have like, you know, worries, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think don't, you know, just try to take it one day at a time. You know, I, I used to, people would go up to Tahoe and go skiing and I'd be like, I, I can't, I have to animate the shot. 
Yeah. I probably would have told that guy, go up to Tahoe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you should probably take that trip to Tahoe. Yeah. Friendly advice. Okay, yeah. well, uh, Andrew, I mean, this was a a, a privilege of mine um, for right, sure, and for a privilege me. of everybody. Like, I mean, you're a, a titan in this industry, and I've watched you speak at so many events. It was a real pleasure and a real honor to be able to have this very intimate, very kind of down to earth chat with you. I'm I'm sure that the community is enjoying it, and um, you know, David and I are absolutely great grateful for your appearance here today. So thank you uh, yeah, so you much. Guys, yeah. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Brent. Thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate it, and uh, you know. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Well, be careful what you say, because we will come for you. We will be, we'll, be <laughs> we'll, we'll get our hooks in there and we're going to drag you back at some well, point. I mean, so. you know, one day I'd love to kind of, if you want, maybe I could present like a little class online or oh, something, yeah. you know, for, for uh, that, the, the viewers. Would, That'd be fun. We would die for something like this. That would be so yeah. amazing. Okay. That's well, thanks. Happen. Yeah, it has to happen now. You said it on air. We're live. So, like, you know, we're, you know if we don't do it, we're the jerks. So, thanks, Andrew. Drop a grenade. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Um, I, I will, uh, we'll, we'll see you on the next one then. I'm going to just uh, wish you both well. And uh, I'll uh, sort of wrap things up on the show here uh, after uh, after you disappear in a puff of ninja right. smoke. Are you ready? Okay. Awesome. Thanks. So, so Bye, -bye. Hi, David. See you, Andrew. Bye. Oh. oh. <laughs> David turned himself off and I turned it back on because I just can't get enough of him. Um, so thank you for everyone who showed up today. Obviously, that was pretty amazing. Getting a chance, a very, very rare chance to speak to a legend in this industry. He's been around for quite a while at Pixar has been uh, responsible for working on some of the some of the iconic shots that we grew up on. I mean, at least for me, and like it's it's just amazing to have that chance to to talk to him. So he's very grateful. I mean, we're all very grateful for him to 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 give us the the time in his obviously busy schedule to come and spend time with us today. So um, thanks for coming. We will um, obviously be having more of these. Uh, this is a regular thing now. So don't forget to check the agora.community slash live page for uh, information on future events because. We do have more coming. If you did ask a question today that didn't get answered, I do apologize. There's obviously so much, only so much time in the day and only so much time in the in the um, the episode. Um, but um, but uh, yeah, don't don't be discouraged. We uh, had a little less time than we normally do today um, um, because uh, Andrew was only really available for that hour, where we usually have these things go on for about an hour and a half, uh, where we have a little bit more time for questions. Okay, so. Um, uh, I do, I do believe that we're going to be asking soon, um, um, on, uh, in, on the social channels, we want to start sending out a, um, a bit of a survey because we we're we've done three of these now. Um, we are kind of hitting a stride, but there's always obviously room for, uh, making improvements to the, to the format. So, uh, we want to know, we want to hear from you. We want to know how you're feeling about these conversations. You know, what would you like to see on these conversations? Obviously there was a really good one today coming in from, from, a, from, from someone in chat going like, where the hell's all the, the modeling conversations quick, quick, uh, quick note there. We do have aspirations for bringing on more, um, um, more, um, um, more content from things that are outside of animation, but you know, we, we're, we're, we're slowly building out. We don't want to be, you know, be in a big hurry here because we have a lot to learn on just format and how to do animation content well before we start uh, digging our heels into something else, but it is coming. So stay tuned. And we do have something cooking um, uh, that will probably start uh, scratching that itch for you. So just look, be on the lookout for that survey because we would really appreciate uh, it. If you could take the time to, uh, to fill that out, 
um, when, when you do see it, because it will help us help you uh, help bring better content to, uh, to, to you out there, who, the, all the, the, loyal, the loyal watchers of this, uh, this content. So until next time, um, thanks again for showing up. We will see you on the next one. And um, let me just check kind of real time here. I'm, I, I, I don't have my, it's not in my brain, so I have to go and check it. I just want to let you know while I'm talking to you right now what the next event is. So, oh, sorry, but I don't know if you heard my echo. That was my voice play as I was uh, clicking on the live page because I think I'm sharing my system uh, volume. Or I don't know if I was or not. Um, so David Gibson is our next guest for the conversation series. There might be some other, something else coming up before then potentially because I do want to start launching the remaining um, animation bingo streams. So that will probably show up on the schedule soon, which will probably be before David Gibson. But David Gibson is definitely the next guest up for um, for our conversation series, like what you just witnessed here. David Gibson, quick intro on him is uh, he is an animator over at Riot. So he is a very talented individual, and he's actually one of our reviewers on our experts on the Agora community uh, website as well. So you, some, some of you might already know him just from interacting on that level. So he's a great guy. We're really excited to have a chat with him as well. And uh, yeah, so until, until then, I will see you uh, on whatever next stream I show up on. Thanks a lot and uh, have a good day. Stay animated. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects and gaming industries providing daily educational material, free rigs, and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, stay tuned and stay animated.